0: Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very, very meta, but not nearly as meta as our listeners are going to feel in just a couple minutes here.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. It's almost an immediate segue into what we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, first, how are you? I, I trust I'm, you're feeling better. I am feeling fantastic, which is a nice feeling given the the past few weeks. Um, I've just got out of the pool.
0: Uh, excellent. So that, that, that's that's good to hear. Hope we didn't run into, in, into anybody.
1: I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was super paranoid about that when I first jumped in. I was like, everybody's out to get me. And now it's been long enough since the operation that I've forgotten all about it. And I'm swimming like, like normal, but no, no accidents. And it a, was a beautiful Californian evening for a pool. There was this crazy cloud formation. And um, I, I swim in the Stanford pool and doing backstroke looking up, it was just one of those nights where you're just like pinching yourself thinking, wow, I really am lucky to be here right now. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Everyone complains
0: about the about the uh, about the housing prices, and then and then you remember that you get to live in
1: you paradise. Live. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a nice night.
0: Cool. Well, we are the the meta comment is uh, we are going to podcast about podcasting.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this conversation actually because it's like more so than a lot of the other ones. I feel like we're really we're like it's it's nice when it relates to you, but it also makes it difficult sometimes because like you need to step outside your own shoes as well and and look at it from the broader context. Absolutely,
0: and I, I think that that's the that's the hardest thing about writing articles like this or arguably like the I mean even like the Peter Thiel thing before like when, when people come at a topic. Like if you write about like like Google's strategic decision making or or Apple or Microsoft, like uh, most people are, it's not a personal thing for them. So uh-huh. you know it's kind of easier to get them into like where you're where you're trying to go. Mm. But a lot of our, our our my readers and certainly all of our listeners like podcasts. They're into podcasts and they have preformed existing opinions about podcasts that are based on the way that they experience podcasts today. Mm. And that makes it very difficult, certainly for me to pull myself out and write about it as both Mm. a writer and a podcaster, but also to communicate in a way that people, you know, helps people not, you know, to use one of my favorite words over index on their personal point of view and experience, if that makes sense
1: it does let's see if we can do it <laughs> so there's
0: there's been this this ongoing debate and tension in kind of the podcasting world and, and there's been a sense for for particular last couple of years i um, you know that podcasting is this is this Big opportunity and justifiably so. I mean, one, it's one of those. If you do kind of the mental exercise, how the world should be, like podcasting makes perfect sense. Like on-demand radio, and like you mm. can listen to exactly what you want, and and all these and all the things that that that, that make it attractive and and enjoyable. And I'm a huge podcast listener and fan. There's uh, the you know those huge CPM numbers, you know, off between fifty hundred dollars, like for are, are like. Uh, you know have a, a publisher's like eyes wide open like looking for for different revenue streams uh. there's the um there's the fact that i mean it's fun like it's it's fun to do it's fun to listen to it, it it feel it fills it's kind of a like it's a void that yes music can go there but you know for certain kinds of people or maybe uh people who are older or or because they've grown out of their they're like must listen to all new music stages or whatever like it it's it's in many senses preferable and so it's this area that everyone is kind of wants to see wants to see succeed and feels like ought to succeed but the fact matter the is is um it's succeeding as far as growth goes slow but steady uh but it's not succeeding at all as far as monetization goes
1: yeah it's kind of been so much fun to be part of this as it's emerged over the past few years i mean apple's been doing it since what 2005 yeah um, well what what apple has or has i been doing is is what we should we should definitely get into yeah. But yeah
0: 2005 was when they announced uh itunes support for podcasts i think that's about the time i started listening to podcasts uh but but yeah it's it, so that's going over a
1: decade now but the past few years it really has felt like the the wild west in terms of the explosion and then when um when Serial came along it was just um it just completely uh, – it, it went from something that felt kind of marginalized to something that was in the mainstream. Everyone was talking about it. It was coming up on Facebook and Twitter. I um, I remember – I may have told this story before, and if so, um, apologies. I remember when I first moved out to California and I rented a car and it had Sirius and I have this thing for dance music – and I was listening to the dance music channels and all these DJs were talking about their podcasts. And I was just, I just assumed that the, it would be uh it would be like this cut rate version of what was being played on the radio. And eventually I heard it enough times that I went and listened and I realized it was exactly what they were playing on Sirius. And then I it sort of dawned on me that no longer did I have to rely on what it was that the radio channel was pushing out. I could go around on this podcast directory and find exactly what I wanted to listen to exactly when I wanted to listen to it. And I was like, why would anybody do Anything other than this, like it's the geographic constraint is gone around radio stations or even satellite FM, and you can listen to what you want on demand. It's just going to – this is uh, – it might not happen overnight, but it's just going to crush radio.
0: No, exactly. And it's not just the geographic thing. It's it's the time thing. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's the – the removing of linearity from kind of listening experience. And yeah, like I've made this, uh, this is one of my favorite points to make. Did I make this last week about Netflix and stars? Um, I feel like I've made this a few points recently. It might've been, you wrote about it.
1: I think, I don't think we talked about it.
0: Yeah, I've definitely, yeah. For some reason it's come up in conversation a few times recently, but I mean, back when Netflix started streaming and they signed that deal with stars for all the movies, there was like 11,000 movies in the catalog, but how many effective movies were on stars?
1: Uh, it was just, so I, I actually don't know know what stars is.
0: Oh, (laughs) stars is is, is a cable channel basically. And there was one.
1: So there was was one was playing at the time, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. The effective number of movies was playing time. They might, I think they had a few channels. So it was, it was technically like three or four, but you get my point. Mm. The moment that Netflix turned on streaming with that stars deal in hand, how many effective movies did they have?
1: 11,000.
0: Exactly. And, and like and the, the and this is the orthogonal like dis, like this is what the internet does and in the way it just obliterates uh, not not like changes or adjusts, obliterates what came before. I mean yeah. and this is why the, the the change is so profound. I mean think about what the reality of just that very near example of Netflix versus stars, eleven thousand versus one using star zone catalog. Like I mean, it, it it's it's unfair, and it's and and the unfairness is the important takeaway. It's it's systematically, structurally unfair.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean it, it's the from a supplier point of view, that's absolutely true. From a consumer point of view, it's like this is just the way it should be. It should have been like this all along, and it's so awesome that now at any point in time, I can watch any one of these eleven thousand movies when I want to watch it. Right, exactly. But at the end of the day, like, and it's interesting.
0: I like thinking about. I mean, I like thinking about content and media a lot, in part because I'm in it, but mm. but also because it's interesting. Because one, like, the you know, it was all digitized so quickly, uh, especially text, right? So you can kind of see the effects now before the future. But two, like the way that the leverage between the supplier and and the end, like this isn't like you selling like some commodity item in Walmart, like what like content. Uh, has low substitute substi- substitutability. <laughs> yes, thank you. You're um, welcome. And it varies, right? Like your typical news story has is like has complete substitutability. Like there's mm. no, there's nothing to protect, nothing special. Uh but there, the more differentiated content has very high or is mm. very low, I should say. And so, for example, like I sell text on the internet. Why? Because you can go. Re- there's lots of free analysis elsewhere. People sufficient number of people find it worth paying for mine specifically because. It's only in areas where I let you get it that requires you to pay. And And That's pretty good. Well, thank you. But but I mean it's – but there's this tension here and and people are like, oh, like people – I write about the user experience. The user experience is really important. But at the end of the day, you make money on friction right? And mm-hmm. so I introduce artificial friction to get my content, which by rights ought to be free. It's just text on the internet. It doesn't cost me anything, which which is great for me, right? I've talked about this. It makes a great business model. But at, at the end of the day, people – yes, some people are, are, are annoyed about it, um, I, I can imagine. But – and there's – I like to reach more people because who wouldn't? And there's some parts of the world, for example, where where I, I – you know, actually, ten dollars a month is a lot, and mm. and I, I I get that, but that's kind of the the in general, people are people are okay with that because because the content's differentiated.
1: Well, yeah, and you need to you need to make a living, just like every content creator does. But I think the the interesting tension and why I find this space so fascinating is that while the substitutability of i mean it's it's kind of what you were saying the substitutability of some of these things are greater or lower but the cost of reproduction for almost all of them is effectively zero and that's this is the shift that's happened as a result of the internet and it's turned um, it's turned a whole bunch of these business models on their heads and m- most of the content producers have struggled a lot with it because the friction they've relied on has been the, the fact that the cost of reproduction has been greater than zero, and the right. internet has dropped that to zero.
0: Right, exactly, and so and so all the motivations and alignment of the content producers previously was about filling the channel that they that they created. It was the channel itself that was the moat. It was owning the printing press. It was owning the broadcast mm. license. It was it was those sorts of things, and then they they would they would fill it and. and Yes, of course they would like to do good content, but it wasn't the top priority. The the like they would balance cost, balance things like it, it just had to be good enough to maintain their audience that was predicated on their their geographic or physical or or, or time based sort of monopoly. Generally,
1: that's true. I think there are probably a few exceptions, and I think you'd probably agree. But generally, that's true. Right? Just yeah,
0: just as a rule, and I, and yeah. the, what's so different about the world today is the only thing you can compete on as a content producer. That's not true, but but at least in text, I would say the only thing you can compete on as a content producer is, is quality, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's either worth paying for or it's not because if it's not, there's tons and tons and tons of alternatives widely available. Like there is no restriction on accessing every word ever written in, 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 in the last like 25 years. Yep. Right. So what one thing that is interesting though is is different it like these qualities and what matters, it's not consistent across content types. And yes. this was the feedback I kept getting in this article and I thought I made it clear. Like text is different than audio and audio mm-hmm. is different than video. So we started mm-hmm. out talking about Netflix and video is arguably the the easiest to 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 create, you know, the differentiation and that's worth paying for. And there's a reason why it's, it's video that, that has persisted the longest with like the old business model and Mm -hmm. why the new business model is people paying for it. Right? Like there, there's an understanding and appreciation that producing high value video content is difficult. It's expensive and, and it's desirable. People really like it and they will pay for it. As you go down the stack, though, audio is is a little easier to produce. There's a lot more crap out there, and and the willingness to pay it, it, it's it, it's tougher. Again, in a perfect world where there was means to pay, which we will get to, and then you get onto Texas, arguably the most difficult, because there's so much competition and the cost of production is so low, and and and. But the key point is, it differs. It differs significantly.
1: I also think there's a technical element to this that was really important in the evolution of the industry and who had to deal with it first in, in that um, particularly uh, when we were in bandwidth constrained environments, it was easiest to transfer text and so it felt the impact first and then it was next easiest to transfer audio and then it felt the impact less next and then the hardest one just by virtue of its sheer size to transfer with any degree of quality was video and and now of course with bandwidth being what it is like that's almost a moot point but it wasn't that long ago that it was a big deal to try and stream or download a movie and it gave the uh the video the the video media industry a little bit longer to try and figure out how to deal with this absolutely this is a really important point and and the timing matters because when, when video kind of
0: skipped over the download phase. I mean, yes, people mm. have been downloading like files on BitTorrent and stuff like that, but for the normal consumer to, like the original Apple TV, like had a big hard drive and you actually did download movies, but like that didn't go anywhere because it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really viable. And and the the streaming just makes so much more sense from a user experience perspective, from a technical perspective, and from a kind of rights management getting paid for it perspective than, than does transferring these dumb files, right and that's kind of one of the challenges with with podcasts podcasts are probably if you were to sketch out a podcast, like from scratch and the way it ought to be, it would probably be largely streaming based and, and and you would be able to, you'd have all these channels on demand from all over the internet and you could add them to your player and, or whatever sort of things you could bounce between them and do them on demand. But it like right now I'm carrying, I think my podcast player has like 15 gigabytes of like files on it. Like it's ridiculous. Like, like, no, seriously, like it, it, and this is what I mean about getting out of your frame of mind, right? That seems mm. normal because that's what we're used to, but if you think mm. about it, why am I carting around serious, I, I don't know where my phone is, but I would check, but I think it's like 15 gigabytes. Why am I carrying around 15 gigabytes of audio files like that I when I have a, a great internet connection 98% of the time? Like it's yeah. it, it's a relic of a world where, that wasn't viable there wasn't bandwidth it like you were frequently offline and yes i know you own subways like that and people in airplanes and having the option download is great like uh, set that aside like just generally as a as a rule the way it is now you wouldn't design it that way if you're starting from scratch
1: yeah i i think that's absolutely right and i think that's that's um that's that mirrors the evolution of uh, the audio media, uh, audio media in general. That industry right now, like you've gone from the iTunes download ownership to the the Spotify, uh, Apple Music type model, where it's it it just makes sense to like given the proliferation and the general availability of bandwidth, it makes sense to leave this stuff up in the cloud and pull it down when you need it. Um, as opposed to store it locally on the device, it's just a better experience,
0: right? I mean, like, like mm. mean, go, go back to the Netflix example. Like having access to all those eleven thousand movies at one time was predicated on not downloading eleven thousand movies to your hard drive, right. right? Yeah. Same thing with like with like with streaming with Spotify or with Apple Music. Like the being able to listen to. Any music you want to is amazing, and is predicated on you not needing to download every single type of music in the world, right? There are there are great benefits here, and there's benefits. It's benefits on all sides. There's benefits to the to the to the consumer. It's benefits to 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 the producer, the individual artist. That's that's an interesting angle we should get into. But mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the um right, it, and you can see music evolving that way. But podcasts, uh, podcasts are really I, it's really retrograde from a technological perspective.
1: It's it's funny though. Like part of the reason, I mean, the the retrograde from a technical perspective. Um, I f- I feel like it adopted a whole bunch of open standards, a whole bunch of the elements that result, uh, like the distributed nature of the internet. It just reflected that. It, it feels like a version of the open web. With um with iTunes almost as the equivalent of Google for podcasts right now. That's how you find it. That's how you discover it. Um, I I feel like that open nature was um part of the reason the ecosystem. Uh, looks the way it does right now. And yeah, there are elements of the experience that are retrograde, but it comes with all the benefits of the open web. And I think what was really interesting about your article and what's interesting with this Stitcher mid-roll thing that's starting to happen is it looks like this is the beginning in the podcast world of what, what Facebook's kind of done to text, to text media, which is starting to put things behind wall gardens. Right. Well, that's. I,
0: I think that's probably the intent. I mean, to be clear, we're still far long ways from it. But let me just quickly um, explain how a podcast works. I think it will be useful for yeah. in case anyone in the audience doesn't understand. So the the way a podcast works is is it depends on a technology called RSS, which you've probably heard of. But RSS is basically it, it, uh, a web page or whatever can make uh, available a a a documented file type. Um, All the RSS reader creators are groaning because it's super messy, but that basically uh, sites can ping or can pull and see if if there's any updates. So what happens is we post a, a new post on the, on, on the exponent site and your podcast client every few minutes or every few hours or whatever like overcast i think i've talked to marco like we're pinged like like every like minute because we're a pretty popular podcast so it pings us and says checks the file says sees if there's any changes if there are no changes it goes away a minute later it comes back see if there's any changes if there are changes to that file, in an xml file then it then it it acts on that, and the change is when you post something, it updates that file saying there's there's a new there's a there, there's there's something new here. It goes mm-hmm. to that, and then enclosed in that is information about an MP3 file, and it points to a location on the internet where the MP3 file is hosted, and just basic MP3 like MP3s you you know you pirated back in college. So it yeah. goes to that server. It downloads the MP3 file to your device. And so when we say we have like 25,000 listeners, like that, there is a specific file that is being downloaded 25,000 times, right? And, and it goes down to the device and then you can play the file on your device. And this is the key thing. Once it's downloaded... Like we have no idea what happens to that file. We don't know if you actually listened to it. We don't know if you listened for ten minutes and got re- really mad at me. Um, we don't know if you listened th- to twenty minutes and paused it to write an angry email, and then paused it again twenty minutes later to write another email saying sorry, I should have listened further in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it doesn't. Like it doesn't know anything about what happens to to the file. It's just played or it's not played, and then it's up to you to delete it from your device or to. You know, like I actually have. <laughs> I just subscribe to so many podcasts. I have all those podcasts, but that's the that's the technology, and and this is the sort of technology that we use was available when podcasts got started. When Apple started, two thousand and five, like that that mm-hmm. was like the way that that's how web pages worked. You update a web page, and most people, the majority of people, visited a web page through a bookmark, like, and they would go back to a site and type type in the URL. Some number of people, particularly again, particularly. Us geeks and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast, but I can assure you if you saw web stats from back in the day, like you're not you not even then you were not representative, used an RSS reader, which was the same thing. You would have an application that pinged these RSS files and say, Is there a new thing there? Is there a new thing there? If there's a new thing they would insert it into the reader and like pull 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 it in. But it that's the exact same technology as podcasts, but we we left that technology behind. Uh one, it wasn't used by most normal people. I promise you it wasn't. Two, it like it's mostly been left behind and yes, Google helped kill it and all those sorts of stuff about it. I don't want to get into it right now, but mm. generally like the way that content is discovered and consumed has completely changed in the last 10, 12 years for better or for worse, but we're still using that exact same technology yeah. for podcasts. So sorry, it's that like was a this- brief, brief interlude just to make sure. Cause uh, all those technical details are actually important to, to understanding th- what's going on. No,
1: absolutely. It's, it's kind of like it, it's it's kind of like one of those evol you hear in uh, in evolution where you go off like someone gets sealed in a cave or something or, or like a little environment <laughs> it's exactly gets sealed what it's off like. yep and and it's this is what's happened it's just not moved and it, it it feels like in the past few months um uh the way that it's being talked about podcasters complaining that New York Times article and now this Stitcher midroll thing that maybe that cave is being cracked open, and and uh, uh, the the rest of the world's coming in to 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 compete.
0: Right. So so I think particularly people in tech, like you, wis- everyone listens to like say you know Gruber, John Gruber is like the talk show, or they listen to you know like A sixteen Z, or they listen to mm. you know accidental tech podcasts. And, but I think the 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 thing to understand is that the the kind of or you know the um I. I appear on uh wheel of Ports, as we can tackle. Like, and that's like the oldest, like he started that back in 2005, I think. And, mm. and that the, the technical corner of like the techie nerdy corner of podcasting was one of the earliest and strongest as you might expect. Cause you know, we're a bunch of nerds and, and, and we love shit like this. <laughs> we do. We do. We really do. Uh, but that is used to be the dominant part and now it's a very small minority. Mm. Like the only technical podcast that appears like the top 100 in, in iTunes, it, it, This the the top 100 is it's more based on like the last few weeks. And it's a total black box. But at this time, when I looked, the only one was this week in tech. Like there, there weren't any other. The vast majority are general audience, general attracts lots of comedy shows. There's definitely some sports shows in there. Like it's a much more of a it's not a mass market product yet. But it's getting mass market-y in a way that means the audience is a lot different than it used to be. And it's going to continue getting more different. And the people, the big players here aren't the big players that you might have in your head as being the big players. Right? Uh, And and I think that's really important to understand because there's this agitation about figuring out how to, like, there's money going into it. There's VC money. There's investments going into it. There's, there's, there's national public radio looking to like pivot their business model. Like there's, there's lots of interested people who are not approaching this from the perspective that I suspect the vast majority of our listeners are. And that's, critical to understand about why I wrote this and about this debate, because there are lots of competing interests that are agitating. And I would, the majority are agitating for change. I think it is definitely the minority that is happy with the way it is and doesn't want to see anything change.
1: It's, it's funny. This is almost in a way kind of, it's, it's, uh, as you'd expect, mirroring kind of what's happened with the internet over the, but it's it's happening almost 15, 10, 15 years later. Um, yep. it, it's going from the people who got it started, the techies who are into their, like, the types of podcasts that, that tech folks would listen to. And just like the internet in its early days was probably much more technical focused, but then everybody else comes along and the nature of what's popular starts to change. But also there's a lot more money that starts pouring in and that starts demanding changes as well. Absolutely. And so the reality is, is like I,
0: I, as I mentioned, podcasts don't really monetize. It. And again, people look at someone like like, like John Gruber, for example, or excellent Tech Podcast, say, wow, this is like they're making plenty of money. And, and they are. But they are – it's a very – so there are very things going on here. So one, it's a very niche audience, which is, which is great. You can That's a great way to make money. Mm. But two, everyone jokes about how all the advertisers on podcasts are like the same few companies. Like that's not a joke. That's true. Like it's a very limited number of companies, and they are companies that have very specific characteristics. Specifically, they are companies that are looking to drive a, a conversion – immediately. So these are the direct marketers, like the sort of companies that, that also like Google, right? Because Google gives you a customer who's already indicated they're interested. And so they're willing to pay a lot for that. They are companies that are often subscription based or very large purchase based. So you have like, like Casper mattresses, for example, right? We're talking a several hundred dollar purchase. You have Squarespace. We're talking about you buy a website, your lifetime value is exceptionally high because you'll just pay that, ten dollars a month like forever you have you have you know who like is the dns service like again you sign up for a domain you're you're going to be paying for a domain forever you have the, the dollar shaving club or the or the harry's there are subscription services you're buying razors again and again and again notice all these companies are about one they 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 are looking to drive a conversion immediately and two they have their expected revenue from a customer is very very high
1: it's, it's mirroring. It's again, it's mirroring the internet. Like that was the stuff that got Google started. And it, it kind of makes sense given it's impossible to track on the podcast side, what people are doing, that there's a direct response mechanism because the, the way marketing is as it is now, you want to be, you want to know whether what you're doing is working. And if someone's highly qualified and about to buy and they land it, they landed a specific landing page for Exponent. They can tell with a, a high degree of certainty how effective the spend is in that mechanism, and they know whether to continue it and or they know whether not to. Right, exactly. They they can measure because they
0: they have you know because you directs you to like a URL slash Exponent, right? Or you have a you have a, you have a purchase code, and the. And so, yes, so they take care of the measurement on their own side. Because the podcasters can't do any sort of measurement and they can just tell you download numbers, which may or may not be true because there's no one verifying them. Like there's no centralized sort of thing here. Uh, Mm. It's all – basically, these sort of marketers can take an approach where they don't need – to, to be verified. Like they don't need th- to be- The, the
1: results of the verification. Exactly. Like ex- if, right. if if I land, if if we, if Casper dot exponent, Casper slash exponent FM and Casper sells three mattresses through that, they know based on how much they paid the podcast and then how many customers they got, whether it's worth continuing to advertise or not. That. Right, exactly. The problem is,
0: is one, there's just not that many, there's not a ton of businesses that fit this criteria, mm. right? Because you have to have a combination of, again- Relatively immediate conversion and high dollars, and the reality is is usually and and often the high dollars is is a lifetime value sort of calculation, right? Because mm. how many people make make very high spend conversions in such a short frame, right? There's just not that many businesses that fit this model. One, two, they have to. Build a custom page for every single place they podcast or put in a coupon code. And yes, this sounds like a little thing, but as we've talked about in advertising, ROI is not just the R. It's also the I. Like how much hassle and trouble does it take to go into this? And the fact of the matter is if if this is the only way that podcasts will ever monetize is through these sort of advertisers, it's
1: just – it's it's going to – it's Limit the pool of potential advertisers, which is going to limit the pool of potential money that comes into the space. But everybody sees the potential and everyone who's putting money into the space wants to expand the possibilities of podcasts making money. And that's why you're getting this drive to change the underlying infrastructure that's running podcasts right now.
0: Right, exactly. And 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 yes, I get the like, oh, it's great now. Don't change it. And it's great now, particularly if you're a again, a a well-established big player. Um and and I and to be super clear, like we we we've monetized. This is not I, I hope it's clear. I we're trying to be super objective about this. Like we've monetized in the past yeah. on exponent. We're not now. That has nothing to do with response. We actually we we our our advertisers wanted to come back. We're just kind of pff, it like the roi thing applies to us too right we have to like manage this stuff and deal with it right and so we might have in the future we might not uh but again just to be clear like this isn't a personal rant sort of thing and i hope all my writing is is i strive very much that it's not to be personal so i i mm. i just want I, we should probably make that clear but yeah it's great so again it's great for some established players now but but in the, as a listener you should be I would argue uncomfortable with this because it's great to get free stuff until the free stuff goes out of business, right? Like there's like some of the app store stuff like you, you have, yeah, it's great that your app's super cheap and you only pay an upfront payment. You don't pay like on a subscription basis, which is much more equitable for the developer because they get paid over time as, as people realize value from their app. It's why I've been an advocate of it for, for, for years. But the, the, The problem is that, yes, it's great if you paid $5 up front, you got to use the app forever until the app developer goes out of business or he Mm -hmm. has to give up on it and then iOS is updated to the new version or Androids up to the new version and your app's not updated and it breaks and it stops working. And boy, like, the, being cheap about this stuff will come back to bite you and it will be the case in podcast like all this fantastic podcasting yeah we can have you and me sitting around a mic and talking back and forth and i have an orthogonal business model right i can i i can make money through checkery and you well, have
1: an orthogonal business too. model you, 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 you get the pleasure of talking to me every week um, so. <laughs> the, the medium isn't reaching its potential because the 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 fundamentals underneath aren't allowing on uh, un- allowing it to right exactly so so I, I appreciate
0: the the enjoyment for the status quo i do think that um it's very easy to be vocal about the status quo if you're in a good position the status quo and mm-hmm. i think both uh tech podcasters and tech podcast listeners are both in good positions because like the the TED pod the tech podcast world isn't going anywhere like it, like I mean we we all of us have so many opinions that we love to spot it anyway like we're like we, like we're doing it for free right now as it is or we're paying money for the privilege And we have to pay for that hosting and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. but but like the if you're thinking about just the general development of a new form and that should take over radio and and offers mm. so much potential for for all kinds like the internet. Like the like the internet, right? And and look at the internet, right? We had this explosion in blogs and this sort of stuff, and, and now you have this 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 professionalization and centralization and everyone complaining about quickbait articles and trying to just get the most views and and like what happened to the to to, to to the great stuff. Well, what happened to the great stuff is we never really worked out a way to get people paid for it.
1: Mm. I and I, I think I think you're right. I, like, there's no doubt about the fact that the this medium isn't going to live up to its potential until the uh, the underlying issues that we've talked about and that that New York Times article and everybody has talked about until those are solved. What I do think, I'll, like, we should urge caution on is that there are going to be players who are going to enter the space that are going to try to solve these issues in a way that that, uh, where they capture a lot of the value and we end up in a, in a ecosystem where they're capturing the value and the medium never gets to reach the potential that it could.
0: Yep, exactly. Cause I mean, so here's, here's the challenge. Like you, so we have a multi-sided market here, right? We have three, we have three constituencies, uh, podcast listeners, podcast producers and advertisers. Mm-hmm. And we've seen similar constituencies in the past, right? We've seen it. We've seen it on, on the internet, right? You have content mm-hmm. creators, you have content consumers, and you have advertisers. And in a world with massive competition and and so much content and and, and all the and it's all freely available. There's no no friction. Like who ended up dominating the experience? Like it was the advertisers. Like, why, why does the right. web suck? Like, I wrote a post last year. Why web pages suck? They suck because publishers have had no choice, like to to stay in business. Like they've because they don't have any sort of reason to to to. They don't have any pushback. They don't have any standing to push back against against you know abusive advertising like ad tech systems that you know run fifteen bazillion you know. Mm-hmm. Calls in between you loading a page and profiling you and and spilling your information who knows where and all this sort of stuff again these are the ad tech the, the, oh, <laughs> sorry yeah. the, the whole no, like no, no. complaint about Facebook and Google on privacy in in a world where ad tech exists and and like and all these like experience and like offline data companies exist drives me bananas um but but the I well, mean that's another conversation yeah yeah sorry we've been there <laughs> but you you and you had a situation where the and then in the long run, it's all up on Facebook anyway, right? Because Facebook collects the content, right. it surfaces it, and you get the thing I've talked about, which is, you know, the aggregation effect where all the users end up on Facebook because it's a better experience. And hey, guess what? You don't have crappy ads on Facebook, right? Are there ads? Mm. Yes. Are they? But like, one, like, they, they're already better than those crappy banner ads in general. Uh, two, like, yes, they're in your feed, but I mean... They're not really that obtrusive, and sometimes there's they're actually there's, interesting.
1: There's a benevolent dictator in that sense kind of uh, – well, actually, maybe let's uh, – let's yeah, talk yeah, you know, a benevolent. There's a dictator like keeping an eye on balancing it and making sure that nobody in the ecosystem becomes too dominant because the user is looking at this page, and they don't want it to – they don't want the experience to be too degraded. Right.
0: They have a very high motivation to keep the user experience very high. Right. Right. In a way that publishers don't because they're, they're so neutered and they, and they have no like, um, and, and yeah, and frankly, and I I know people, (laughs) Facebook is such a hot button issue. Like Mm. their Facebook ads work. They, they, not just the data says it, but I mean, anecdotally, if you don't believe me, you find someone who doesn't live in San Francisco and like actually uses Facebook all the time. And and, like, they actually, people click on these and they like them. Mm. And Anyhow,
1: let's not go into Facebook. Yeah, let's not. But I think it's a, it's interesting because a number of the critiques of of um of moving away from the existing Apple model, like if if you were to encapsulate what people are concerned about happening, it's they they I, I've heard the term the Facebookization of podcasts, right?
0: And 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 that concern. And what's interesting about this concern is I'm not certain it's terrible for. End users. It's terrible for end users in a in a in a very long run. This might be producing, you know, results and behaviors that, that we're not good for. But it's really bad for, for podcasters. It's mm-hmm. bad and it's bad for publishers. And it's bad for these media companies that are looking at podcasts as a potential new revenue stream in a world where where you know the price of text is continues to decline precipitously and that more than anything was the audience that i was that i was writing for is that you know yes so he, what are the problem with podcast monetizing the big problem is th- there's just zero measurement and there's no and there's no standardization or awareness of what's going on and so in, in radio like all the top advertisers in radio are are our brand our brand co- like brand advertising it's like geico and coca-cola and ford i think are the top three like and these are pure like you're not looking to drive a purchase like <laughs> coca-cola is not trying to get you to go to the convenience store and enter in your exponent code and get a coke for like 10 off right mm-hmm. i mean no they're they're building brand affinity if you listen to this thing and you, you hear a coke ad and next time you're thirsty regret. like it's this this subtle thing that pays off over time same mm-hmm. thing with with insurance and cars and all sorts of stuff. All well, the insurance is interesting. Um, but well, the insurance is interesting too. Like it's also a big ticket purchase that has a long lifetime value, mm-hmm. but you don't go from a podcast or a radio show and immediately go buy insurance, right? right? It's it's a purchase that happens so far in the future that this direct link is not really possible. Same thing with the car. The problem is that. And so, brand advertisers are generally okay without knowing exactly who you are. They want to directionally know. I mean, they mostly advertise on TV, right? And and they they advertise by channel because definitely you know certain sort of person watches ESPN, certain per, sort of person watches mm. the Sci-Fi Channel, certain certain sort of person watches whatever channel it might be, and and so they're okay with. They're not looking to know like the finest details of your life. Although Facebook is working to do that because they can. And how compelling would that be? <laughs> but yeah, but. Right. Like we know from people say, oh look at TV and radio, they're fine with no measurements. TV and radio. I'm sorry, but two things. Sorry, I'm being very ranty, but <laughs> uh, TV and radio. One, they do have measurement. They have mm. a an organization that everyone has agreed to listen to, which is Nielsen in the U.S. Yeah, that does. Uh, that through various things, whether it be set-top boxes or whether it be surveys or whether it be you know track people tracking diaries, like they have a whole host of things that they work together to see what works. They have a general idea of what is listened to and what's not and about how many people. Is it perfect? Is it exact? No, but it's, it's pretty darn good, number one. Number two, there is such scale that a little bit of ambivalence in the data is okay, right? Coke can know they're generally reaching with this particular buy, they're reaching – a million people or they're reaching 500,000 people or reaching whatever in podcasts. There is nothing like podcasts are. It's not just that it's a new medium, which is a challenge for advertisers. It's the fact it's a new medium where every single metric that matters to advertisers is worse than radio.
1: And there's, I mean, it's that, it's that ROI. It's the, it's the I thing. It's just, it's just, it's not both. Worth it. it's, it's both. Well, that's true. Yeah. You can't, like, if you haven't got enough people, then what's the point? Well, um, and not just that, but you don't even know who you're reaching. Right. I mean, like, like you don't know,
0: like it makes a big difference to, cal- especially given how fuzzy the numbers are in generally, like, so podcast, so exponents download 20,000 times. Let's say it's a big, let's say it's 250,000 times just because for, mm. for the numbers, wouldn't it be great? Um, so, I can tell them, oh, the podcast is downloaded 203,000 times. And they're like, are you sure about that? Like, I'm like, what's my answer? You believe me because there's no like standardized tracking of like McDonald's. Like, right. A company called PodTrack is trying to solve this. Um, so, 203,000. And so, one, that's the only number. And two, like, th- there's no verification of that number. They just have to take it on, on faith. But then it makes a big difference for them calculating their ROI if. 250,000 people listen or only 150,000 people listen. Or if people are, you know, ad skipping can, can certainly go in year two, but just at a, at a big level, like if it's, let's say 125,000 versus 250,000, like that, that changes your ROI by a factor of two, right? Like either you're getting X spend or you're getting double your spend or half your spend's worth. It, it's it's right. just, and again, it's a,
1: already a new medium with a relatively smaller audience. It's just too risky, and there are some folks who will go and and will like, uh, put the, the, like these new these new some of these new tech companies that are. Uh, doing direct response they will go and they will do the high level heuristics and that's fine they'll say oh these guys uh these guys have a lot of tech folks and tech folks are typically the type of people who are early adopters of our product and we get direct response so we're going to know pretty soon whether spending here is effective or not so it's fine for them but there's everybody else which is uh, uh who is not going to Bother. and I mean the irony of the whole thing is like it—it it really feels like of all the tech, the the tech-enabled media, uh, like you, uh, it's it's the one with the not just the loosest tracking. It's it's almost right as it stands right now. It's worse than what it was before. Like you think about someone who engages with a show on Netflix, you get all those things that you talked about. You get to see when they press pause or play or whether they abandon or whatever right now with podcasts it gets downloaded and then that's it yeah you like
0: that and that's the thing there's a lot of people say oh patience people advertise fine on radio and TV and they can't track then no actually like the podcasting is worse it's worse on every metric that matters to advertisers and and again not matters in it like they're being creepy like just to make a reasonable business decision, mm-hmm. there, there's a, it's not a black and white issue, right? And this is the thing that's frustrating me about this this kind of debate is people are like I will never have any data and I will never track anything, blah blah. blah. Like I, I don't think it's unreasonable for a pod for an advertiser want to know how many times a podcast was actually played.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably coming from the people who are doing it right now with the direct response advertisers who who are and them they're, they're making money. Well, it's not just that. I mean, like the fact
0: is like the tracking on the web is awful and terrible. And some people, like I said, I've kind of come to terms with it for the most part, like because that's just the the way things are. But I get that there are principled oppositions to tracking and data. But I think mm-hmm. there's a big difference between trying to get into the details of your life and just knowing whether. It, whether a podcast was played or that you advertised on was played or not, right? Like, there's, there's a degree, there's a, there's a gradient here,
1: right? Uh, it's interesting though, because I, I feel like this spectrum. is spectrum. The- I always say gradient. I yeah, was mean spectrum. spectrum. Yeah, th- this is the pivot point in the conversation, which is like, I I, I, I acknowledge that there are people with those principled objections, but I, in general, I agree with everything you've said, and it feels like change is upon us. And I actually think it's interesting at this point to start to get into uh, the natures of the changes and like the different models that might emerge as a result of the fact that this medium is not living up to its potential Uh, given where it's at right now and things are going to change. Yeah, no, totally. Sorry. I was I was was probably doubling down on that dragging you in. Yeah. And again, I don't, I'm
0: not, I'm not imputing anyone's motivation. Like there are, there's a prince. I get the opposition to tracking. I just think there's, there's a, there's a, there's a middle, there's a middle ground here. And yeah, so you think about what makes sense, what makes sense going, going forward, right? Like the. So we get to this this midroll acquisition. So midroll yeah, is yeah I think the, that's a
1: great straw man, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, midroll. So midroll is the biggest player in podcast advertising, which again makes them not a very big company. Like let's. Just because it's a small market. Like the, the the estimates are like 38 million, which is highly disputed, particularly by big, big podcasters. Like Will Port, I think, has, has said um, a couple weeks ago that Twit makes like 12 million or something. And he doesn't think he's like a third of the market. But the highest, again, the absolute highest number I've ever seen is 200 million. And that's one number that I saw, like someone said at a conference once. And so regardless, 200 million is still tiny, like in the grand scheme of things. Right. So Midroll is the is the largest largest player here and they just bought this this app called Stitcher. So Stitcher is a Stitcher is a podcast player but it's different than all other podcast players. Um, that release like Overcast or 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 Pocket Cast or the other ones or Apple's podcast app for example. Mm-hmm. So the again because the way that the way that podcasts work generally is you have to get a third party app and then you have to go to that app's directory, which may tap into the iTunes director. may have their own, like Overcast has their own, for example. And then you have to find the podcast. You have to subscribe, right? And, and this, is, it, it, this is a challenge for, like, regular people. It really is. Like, I mean, like, I have to, on Stratechery, point them to download a podcast. I have to trust them to take multiple intervening steps. There is no, like, click a link and you have the podcast on your phone. Like, there's multiple steps in, in in between like going from here to there which is why we still get a fair number of people listening on the web right mm. because it's 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 actually easy easy to figure out mm-hmm. it, or it just works even though it's a terrible user experience and it's hard to do on the go and it always craps out and, and stuff I yeah. mean it, etc so so stitcher was different because what stitcher did by default and again they would I say default because they offered to excuse us from this and stuff because I objected to it, but but it's not the rule in general. By default, they would instead of pointing a user to the podcaster's server where they could download it from there. And so the podcaster could track how many downloads, which again is the only metric we have, they would actually take the podcast themselves, they would reencode it at a lower bit rate so they could, you know, save on bandwidth, put it on it their own like server yeah yeah the quality is 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 definitely worse they put on their own server and they'd overlay their own ads on top of it and that but then they would have a a podcast player with their own directory that would stream that would look more like the what this probably should look like vision we talked about before Mm. but they did it by by uh basically again you had to agree to it so podcasters are all doing it willingly, even when everyone has their stuff on on Stitcher has agreed to let them basically take your content, change it, and put their own ads on top of it and not give you anything. (laughs) I mean, so that's why we're not on Stitcher in in case you're wondering. Uh, I think it's one, one, I think it's, I don't like the business in general. Two, I worried about their incentives, particularly as a struggling startup who got 25 million in funding and just sold for 4.5 million. And three, it's, it's a drive towards a world that as a podcaster their long-term goal is centralization and and i'm like as much as i will write about facebook and praise it i
1: that doesn't mean i as a publisher i'm thrilled it's about it's it it's the model yeah right and the, it, <laughs> It's That's a, a, a really good point. It's, it, it becomes one of these things where if you get a dominant player in an, in an industry like that, it becomes the gatekeeper and they, they, will, they will get an enormous amount of power to set the terms. And that is why you've got Facebook laying down the law to organizations like the New York Times around this is how things are going to work. And given the amount of traffic that something like Facebook drives, they have very little choice, but to accept those terms. Yeah. And arguably, I, I would say that most publishers should completely accept Facebook's terms because just go all the way at this point. But anyhow,
0: that's a sidebar. Yeah, that, that,
1: it, it a, it's a sidebar. There's There's no point resisting, but there is There is a point here where this is so nascent, where there may be a point in resisting. And uh, yeah, I, I think moving it towards that model is not necessarily the way that is uh, is going to be best for publishers. And then it, it's interesting is if yeah, the experience needs to change and we need to change the model in order to uh, see the medium reach its maximum potential. But there are elements about this that makes me as a publisher as well question whether this is the best approach, even if it does solve a number of the underlying issues with the existing model. Exactly. So let's let's game this out. And again,
0: uh, scripts and uh, scripts slash midroll, like they're gonna like their 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 rhetoric right now is, of course, you can play your podcast wherever it is. Blah blah blah. You don't like you don't. Scripps doesn't buy midroll
1: for fifty million and then add on Stitcher for five million just so they can keep the status quo it's it's very smart like right at the start of it when when you're trying to figure something like this out it's like integrating around the problem and giving yourself control over the um over the areas of like dependency is a very smart way of going about it from a business perspective but again from a public publishers should Pause. I mean, I like it from a bit. I think it's a great bet by script. So let's let's
0: game this out. Mm. So 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 mid roll is already dominant in advertising, and now mm-hmm. they now they have a player with this model that when's it's like they can change like it's already stream model. They can Stitcher can measure, they can measure how when things are listened to, when things are started and paused. It's already the better model for measuring and tracking. Right? They they and they already have the technology to 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 interlay ads to 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 dynamically insert ads, which is which is kind of a, a big thing in, in podcast in general these days. So they have, so now you can imagine, and they already have the advertisers and they have these big podcasts like the Bill Simmons podcast or or WCF with Mark Maron that that are already with middle advertising. And, and you have Scripps who has relatively deep pockets in the podcasting world. Yeah. They're, they're a small player in cable TV, but they're huge relative to podcasting and they can come in and they can say, Oh, hey, Mark uh, Marin, for example, who's already pretty aligned with them. Like his, 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 his past episodes are only accessible, I think, with a paid subscription through like Midroll's uh, uh, for pay product. And they can say, tell you what, you come exclusive onto Stitcher and we will guarantee that your ad take stays the same. So, yes, you might lose some listeners because people don't want to switch, but it's not going to affect you financially. And they do or, that to him. they
1: could amp it up. Like they could increase. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, they give them more. No, you're right. Exactly, that's exactly what they would do. They they will pay you more money. They can do that to multiple podcasts, and they can make. Are they losing money in the short term? Of course they are, but this is a long term investment to start getting
1: behavior change. Exactly, getting getting people on a future, and because consumers at the end
0: of the day, unfortunately, consumers don't. Most consumers one podcast player is as good as the other, um, which, I mean, most people aren't super fiddly about the finer details of UI, right? Like, they just want to mm-hmm. get their content. This content's powerful. Content is valuable. And and there is a clear path here for, for mid-roll slash or scripts to start leveraging the their relationship with the advertising relationship with 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 the big, with some of the bigger content providers to start moving users onto their app and start creating this positive virtuous cycle. I read about an aggregation theory where 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 there's more users there and there's more money and you get more and you it becomes more attractive to everyone to be on the platform. And we wake up one day and you can't make money if you're not on Stitcher.
1: Yeah, it's I, I I was it's it's the <laughs> I was thinking about it from the Uber perspective, right? You like started out by building liquidity on both sides. Like you get you get lots of drivers on the platform. You get riders coming in because you offer the ride for less than it it costs to make it super attractive, and then eventually you just build up such a. Like, like it becomes unassailable. You have both sides to the point where somebody can't come along and, and really take you on. And again, from an advertiser perspective, being able it's to great. track those yeah, it is. Being able to track everything, you know exactly what's happening. You know with certainty which are the most popular podcasts and which aren't, which are the ones that people listen to the whole way through, which they don't, which are the ones that they listen to the minute it comes out. Like, And that's super powerful from an advertiser perspective. So, and particularly given it's a smaller market and you can come along to some of these popular players and popular publishers and offer relatively speaking, big numbers to make them exclusive and it sounds great from their perspective. and then the consumers follow follow the the rock star content producers the, the podcast that they like the most. exactly and
0: because content is differentiated and and, and again, yes, midroll will give public PR that, oh, People can be on Stitcher and on the open web, blah, 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 blah. But, like, again, people don't get into business for, you know, at the end of the day, like, there are business reasons to do stuff. And the it seems pretty overwhelming to me that this is the end goal. If it's not the end goal, then they're incompetent at business. Because from a business perspective, it's a great play. Like, Scripps, it, it may or may not work out. We'll get the reasons why it might might, might not. But Scripps is well ahead of pretty much anyone else in potentially owning the future of radio. Like that's mm. like it, it, from a, f- with my business analyst hat on, like, I like it. <laughs> like it's, it, yeah. it's, it's really smart
1: and you're
0: getting in at the right time to, to potentially realize a ton of upside.
1: I completely agree. What, um, so reasons why it won't work and also like alternative models or even um, al- uh, alternative models or how this might look if other big players in the industry decided to attack it.
0: Yeah. So the the again, my I was writing first and foremost to publishers because, mm. like, at the end of the day, like if if Scripps wins, which again I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying you can see a path to how they might do it. It might be yet another situation where publishers trade short term revenue, they gain short term revenue for trading away their their long term their long term freedom and. And it's maybe say, well, that was inevitable. I think with text, it was inevitable, frankly. Again, but but and this is why I really got into the article: text and audio are different, and and they're different in ways that make the the podcast situation challenging, but also make it attractive. In, and I and I don't, I'm not ready to give up. So one of the biggest things that's difference between text and text and and podcast is that text is spreads really well it's it's viral it's very easy to share right this makes it almost very hard to monetize because it's always inf- infinitely reproducible and easily skimmed but it, it's also a great way to get new readers to make yourself aware to get out there right podcasts are not it like i'm not going to share a podcast on facebook like what are you going to do you're going to download the file and listen to it or maybe you can stream the file but you're, you're, like you're not going to take the time to listen to it and particularly you know especially podcasts that take time to get into right there's Mm. the 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 entry the barrier to entry as a listener is way higher than for audio than it is for text Mm. and so and so you have a bunch of complaining about discovery you know apple blah, blah 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 well the best way to drive listeners is actually to leverage like brand or like or like the, the 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 host or the personality or something like that, right? You know, you that's why new podcasts try to get big guests on it because they want the people to listen to the guest, and now and now now they're subscribed. Or that's why like you know people will listen to Bill Simmons because in his podcast can get fifty million downloads. He can say, oh look at me, ha ha ha. Who needs a mothership? Well, he had thirteen years of writing for ESPN to mm-hmm. build an audience, and then he could leverage that audience into. This other format, right? And so, if you think about as a publisher, think about your business holistically, where writing is lead generation for a medium that is hard to get users. But but once you get users, they're really loyal, right? You have this 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 idea that it pops up every week, it goes to the user because again, the underlying thing is RSS and the way that that whole system works. They get a notification even and. and and they go and listen to it and they're in a medium that's better for advertising anyway, right? You're engaged in the medium. Yes right now it's mostly podcast uh, you know hosts reading it, which is certainly the most engaging. But even if it's a 30 second jingle, you''re you're, you're engaged and yes, you can skip it, but a lot of people won't and, and especially you know and the, the ads will get better and and you you have to think about your business as this multi-pronged approach. And the problem is right now, it's too it's too hard. Like the the weep for a normal user from a web page to a podcast is there's too many steps involved and it's too disconnected.
1: There are a couple of things that are emerging as you're talking. And the first is, it's interesting. Uh, I know we started off by saying like part of this is stepping outside of ourselves. And I think it was really interesting that I think the way you have approached this, I think you've, you've done a good job of being objective in the analysis, but even the point at which you've um, attacked the problem in speaking to publishers is, is probably the part of it that you didn't that you didn't step out of. That it, it's like you're reflecting on how this is going to play out for. Um, someone or other people in your position. And uh, like you use the term, I'm not ready to give up. And I'm with you. Like, I, I totally agree. But I wonder if some of the feedback or the contextualization that you feel you need to do is as a result of um, the way you've come in on the problem is probably slightly different than the way that you typically come into the problem when you attack these industries. I think that's that's absolutely fair.
0: And I'm definitely cognizant of that. The, uh, the one thing I would say is I think about podcasts in my business differently because I monetize through subscription. Like I see exponent is very valuable in kind of building trust and, and just getting to know me as a person. And then the, the transaction feels more personal, I think, right? Like you're, Mm. you, you, I, because that's a cool thing about podcasts is you kind of feel like you get to know the person in some respects for better or worse. Right. And as I'm well aware, uh, but, and I think so that, I have it in a different place in the funnel than most. I think yeah. the potential for for most publishers, like um, the Ringers, say like Bill Simmons' new thing or Vox or something like th- like this, is that I think the 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 ceiling for podcast monetization is higher than the ceiling for text monetization. Yeah, and so it's one other. Oh, sorry. No, so I, so I I to me it's it's a different as as a publisher. Yes, I I. The I don't want to give up is certainly you you, you nail me, but I think the way I'm thinking about it as from a business model is slightly different. But I totally think what you're saying is right.
1: There's one other thing you said that I thought was really interesting, and the way that you're thinking about all the various pieces of. Um, let's call it your media empire is different from the way that I think most. Oh, it's true you've got a little media empire; it's growing. Um, like the population, way thinking, population of one. Well, one and one, one plus a visitor that comes in every week, right? Um, um, the way you're thinking about it is that. Um, is different from the way that a lot of the people who are solving for media problems think about it. So if yes. you think about Medium or if you think about SoundCloud, like everyone thinks in terms of thinks in terms of creating a solution around the medium that they're interested in. So medium.com is text, SoundCloud or whatever is audio, and then you have Vimeo and YouTube Um, for video and I think there is scope somewhere for somebody to realize that on the internet like it uh, from the publisher's point of view it's less important to focus on the specific way in which the content is delivered and recognize instead that what matters is the content and it's going to come through lots of different formats and someone was telling me about this that what they they didn't want WordPress anymore what they wanted was a site that somehow neatly integrated all the different, like, pr- like put a front end over all the different areas which their content is in, like in Medium, in SoundCloud, in Vimeo, in YouTube. like, And that doesn't exist right now. No, I, I, I thought about building this company, believe me. That's exactly right. And this is the fundamental pro-
0: problem with, with the approach of everyone to this. You're right. All the ecosystem players and the publishers themselves, they are, they are organizing by the medium, not medium him, the company, mm. but by by text, by video, and you have to take a holistic approach. If you think about the what are the advantages that publishers have, right? I wrote the piece, the smiling curve, like two and a half years ago or something like that. Like talk about how the the to be stuck at the bottom sucks What's valuable is the aggregator on one side, but then like the star on the other, like the, the actual content producer, right? Like it is more valuable than ever to be highly differentiated as a, as a content producer, right? To, to be someone like, like, like Bill Simmons, for example, to be someone like Ezra Klein, to be a, Someone that people are attracted to because you're in this mess of the internet where there's so much noise, and to the the ability to consistently break through is unbelievably valuable. But you have to rethink how you your business, right? It's not about Ezra Klein's text. It's not about Ezra Klein's podcast. It's about it's about Klein and the other pieces need to work together to 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 leverage that, right? And I think Simmons ha- has figured this out where. You don't think about a podcast and a site and a show. You think about how these interact together and Mm -hmm. different things Mm -hmm. can do different jobs for you, right? You don't Mm -hmm. need text to be both lead generation and money-making it could be just lead generation and mm-hmm. podcasting could be just money making or for mm-hmm. me it, like my free articles are lead generation my podcast is moving you down the funnel building trust and then the bottom of the funnel is paying for the subscription and and mm-hmm. and, and inviting me into your your email inbox every day right and like and yeah people say about my business that's fine for ben no thinking holistically about your output can be done by everyone but everyone this the last vestige of the offline world is the mind right people so many people are still stuck in in thinking about it in the past and yes they will do podcasts yeah. and they will do video but they're not thinking through the business implications and how these things can work together
1: well it's challenging right because uh, it, it, it's uh it's getting out so of your mindset most, it's what we
0: open out yeah. with, yeah
1: yeah, no, and I mean I totally agree. I'd say the reason most people do it is that most of the folks who are working on this kind of stuff aren't necessarily business minded, and they're allowing the way they think about the world to be defined by the way it's historically been, which is that these are distinct entities, and they haven't necessarily come to the realization that the internet has fundamentally changed that.
0: Absolutely, and so and so the, the and this gets to my solution and wh- where I think media entities should go. And again, people who don't like the solution. And just pause your disdain for a moment, and and again think about this from from. Just try to step out of, of, of your mindset, which is you know like me who has a podcast app with like thirty podcasts in it, and it's very convenient. So uh, I, for some reason, I've been thinking about Vox and Ezra Klein. I mean, I was on the show a few weeks ago, and, and they're they're hosting with uh, Panoply, which is like Salon's uh, Salon uh, Slate's, um, you know, sort of new podcasting mm-hmm. network. And here is the problem. You have uh, Ezra Klein. I think has a fantastic podcast. It's an interview podcast. It's it's really good, and it's it's just a wide array of stuff, and, and just gets super really deep in, in in into different issues and um all over the map. Like he has like restaurateurs. He's had like food rights activists. He's had like Grover Norquist, like the 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 no tax guy, which was fascinating. Mm. Um uh and and but the problem is. Like with the link between, yes, they could, he puts a post up on Vox saying, "Oh, go, listen to this podcast." But it's just this thing off it's just it's this thing off to the side, and it it imposes a big burden on his listeners and stuff to again, they have to have get a third party app. Which usually ends up being Apple's podcast app, or it might be Stitcher, or it might be Overcast, or it might be whatever. They have to figure that out. They have to go into the app. They have to search for the Azure Klein show. They have to download it, and they have this. Then they have to like be downloading like big files every week, right? And yes, it sounds so simple and obvious to us normal people, but like you, I think you've had this experience, right? That we have some people where Exponent is the first podcast they've listened to, and it's really complicated to explain to them how to listen to a podcast. Mm. And it's not just that it's complicated, but you're not reaping the benefit, like accruing to your to your brand sort of stuff. Whereas, imagine if you could have a post on Vox or say, "Oh, I'm as your client. I just interviewed, uh, like, he interviewed Tom Perez this week, a potential candidate for for vice president.
1: Mm.
0: I interviewed this thing. Oh, I'm really interested in that." You click a button, and it, we already have no other annoying. Like, you can watch the app directly to the app store, or you can watch into the app. It downloads the app, and then you listen to it. There's no subscribing. There's no searching. It's a single link. You click on it and you're there. And from Vox's perspective, now you have an app on the phone that has the that can ping people. Hey, by the way, Ezra Klein just talked to Obama this week. He's interviewed in the past. I go, well, that's great. You jump in. You listen to it. Right. You have and you're starting to reap all the benefits of this new engagement. And because it's your app, you can build in the tracking you can know how many times is it listened to how many people are listening to it how immediately are they responding notifications all the stuff we just talked about and then you can start selling ads against it now you're a small player maybe you won't sell ads but this is where i would love to see mid-roll and other players come in right at like yes by all means build something that works across apps but and i think it's the same thing with with the web too don't have like I think in publishing, there is a potential, and I'd love to see it work out and I think audio is the place where it could it could really work where there's a business of the back end where you sell advertising mm. at scale and you sell like you could sell like a a a a player that you can skin like with vox branding or exponent branding whatever it <laughs> might be, and then you do all that at scale, but you at the front end brands and personalities like capitalize on that and and from a publishing perspective, I think that's – this is the last stand to have a place people go to you instead of going to a centralized player because if they go to the centralized player, the centralized player is going to reap all the benefits and you're just to become a surf in their kingdom like you are at Facebook.
1: Yeah, I I get where you're coming from. Allow me to – I'm going to push back on you because I don't think that there are actually – it it feels, again, it feels like this is very much from the perspective of what's best for a publisher being pushed onto consumers. I don't think there are enough personalities out there where I would feel comfortable downloading an app specifically – for that personality now where I think I could be I think I could be convinced to go is if there was an app that um that aggregated I mean it's starting to sound dangerously like some of what the other what some of the other alternatives that already exist are like but if there was an app that allowed me to follow specific people and then let me know oh he's someone's written an article someone's uh, someone Ezra Klein's written this on whatever or he's put out this podcast and where I'm engaged with that I will follow it um I think this is actually this what you just described then could actually be like an interesting play for Twitter to like start going after the publish, like go after publishers. Like it's kind of the way I use Twitter right now, but it's also like the nuzzle overlay, which is like I follow specific people and news gets surfaced. I wonder if there's some version of that where they allow you to follow and like I absolutely want to see everything that Ben puts out because I know that Ben does great stuff and maybe there's some monetization option and it would cut across different mediums. I I suspect though that the the historic um divide between text video and audio just because of the way all these companies have been built I suspect that that's going to continue even though it doesn't necessarily make lots of sense.
0: Yeah and, and I don't think it's realistic and frankly that's that's kind of the world we have now and I mean cuz you right now I freely admit, absolutely freely admit, and this is where I, the people I asked to, to to hold their criticism for a while, that the current situation from a user perspective is better if you can figure it out how it works. Right? I have one podcast app where I can subscribe to multiple people, and it notifies me when they come up. And yes, it's not like a holistic all their content sort of thing, but it's from a user perspective, it's great. I can build playlists, and I can you know have things in order and i can listen to all these sorts of different things but it's great in the way that getting five dollar apps that you never have to pay for again are great it's great mm. in a mm-hmm. i don't think it's sustainable and just like mm-hmm. it, and you, it, like there's just we're gonna stunt this industry and in growth and yes it's great that we listen to lots of podcasts that are free or have like minimum like just just you know relatively light touch on ads and all sort of stuff but the, there's everyone would like everything to be for free. Like, it wouldn't it be great if stuff yeah, was free? But right. the world doesn't yeah, work sure. that way. And it, it's like, it's that's why I talked about, like, me having the friction of pe- making people, artificial friction of paying for some of my content. Like, of course everyone, my readers, would love it if all my content were free. That'd be great. And frankly, that's why I've always been I've always thought that advertising – that's why I've always thought advertising and publishing have gone together because you get a much better alignment of interest because advertisers want to reach a lot of people, journalists want to reach a lot of people, and people are cheap, right? And so you get – like everyone kind of wins.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And unfortunately for this area, I just don't think that the current system in the long run is one that's going to sustain and develop podcasting to where it ought to be and there are there's so there's like i don't think it's sustainable because there's so much pressure to go in the other direction and i would rather have publishers again totally biased you're right i would rather publishers preserve some modicum of independence rather than mm. see some centralized player come in with it all cuz i think that's the other that's the other alternative
1: well i i agree i think that then if, so so I, I think that this this artificial divide between text, audio, video is going to persist. and if there's going to be a centralized player come along, the question then becomes like what do you want that centralized player to look like? And Marco Ament had a great post around like uh, around the same time that New York Times Apple podcasting article came out. Which basically was saying, "Hey guys, just be careful what you wish for." And yep. I agreed with a lot of what he said. But as we've gone through this conversation and like seen what the alternative looks like in terms of Stitcher midroll, I actually hope that Apple gets its act together on this and it starts to look a little bit like the App Store, where um, perhaps they host everything. Um, it goes up there. People can subscribe, and app, the the app developers or equivalent of podcast creators can either choose to put ads in there if they want and make it freely available, or they can choose to set a price, and Apple takes a cut. Um, you get information on downloads and so on and so forth. Like I I feel like in terms of a good middle ground, that would be. That would be one that I would be more of an advocate for,
0: right. But, uh, let's be super clear. You're an advocate for it because you trust Apple more than you trust the other guys, yes. and and and, and so number one, number two, the uh, which which is a perfectly reasonable position to take. Uh, number two, uh, that the reality is Apple's much better place to become this than Scripps is. The big difference, and this is actually ties in with a lot of stuff. Scripps is very motivated to get here. Whereas Apple hasn't shown that motivation, right? Because Apple Mm -hmm. owns the users, right? We talk about multiple constituencies. It's nice scripts on the advertisers. At the end of the day, owning users trumps everything, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, the advertisers (laughs) will go where the users are, and so Mm -hmm. Apple has the users. Like uh, the built-in podcast app has like sixty to 70 percent market share of like of like, in like it's huge, it's massive. There's more podcasts on iOS than Android, and the vast majority are listened to on the on the Apple on the Apple's podcast app, and the ones that aren't are listened to on iTunes. on on the computer. So Apple has the users. And the other thing that's interesting about motivation though, is Apple has talked more about services. They've talked about building up this new, you know, a new, new areas of revenue. And the iPhone growth is, is at best plateauing, right? Like there, there's maybe there might be more motivation. We can get into whether there would actually be good at it, but if Apple did want to move here, they are very well positioned to, to kind of, despite the fact that they haven't done anything for 11 years, by virtue of being the first mover, they they could build something here. Absolutely.
1: And I I actually think that their experience with iTunes and the way that they've approached stars in the music world to get them on board has actually... Um, prepared them in it's it's actually pretty good preparation for doing this because all they have to do is start treating podcasts a little bit like they've treated our uh, iTunes here and just like get the stars there get try and find exclusives engage them and uh, particularly and, and just put a bit of focus on it I, I think that they could. You're right. Like, first mover advantage, they have that, that massive share of the market. They could, if they chose to do it, they could tie this thing up entirely.
0: Right. But but again, though, you, and this is our different perspective, which I think is useful for this podcast, you're thinking about it as a user and, yes. and a short-term perspective as a user, I would add, because yes, the, the app store has been great and it's been great for users. And it's been great right up until the fact that Apple's ov- Overemphasis on stuff being cheap and free has meant that there's the app store has not developed in the way it ought to have, and that hurt developers in the short term. And in the long run, it has hurt consumers. And it's you know I think changes are afoot, but and hopefully will make a difference. But but you know that's that's a that's a. like that's the Hardly. same thing I'm worried about, and this is why when I take the publisher's perspective, yes, I am a publisher, but I'm as a I'm first and foremost concerned as a podcast listener. I I really enjoy podcasts. I want to see this medium develop and grow. And the reality is, a part of having a healthy industry that works the benefit of everyone is having monetization models that work. And right now, it's broken, and and the alt- obvious, the easier alternative arguably, is a centralized player. But I want to see – and yes, I'm totally biased. You're right, 100% biased. I want to see healthy and thriving media companies. I think there might be – to me, this is almost the only chance I see for independent media companies to to build – to to take this multimedia, multi-pronged approach where they, different parts of the business work together – like to build a sustainable model for, for, for media. Like I do care about that as a, as a, as a professional, as a citizen, as all yeah. kinds of things. And, and so, yeah, maybe, I mean, Apple would probably be a more benevolent player, but yeah, I, I mean, I would argue Facebook's relatively benevolent to be frank. It's just the, the, it's the market forces that make them such a monster.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I mean, the the nature of the uh, learnings that they've gone through, both with iTunes and with app stores. And um, like we've criticized them previously, particularly around the iPad, but just in general on the app store about not having subscriptions, not having trials. And I think that's the kind of thing. That you know, again, you hinted changes afoot. We'll see, but like, I, it's the kind of thing where you hope that that is the kind of learning they would bring to this that would make them well suited to do podcasts. And ultimately, they do. T- they might not always be the fastest moving, but I think they also are quite a long-term thinker in wanting that same outcome for a thriving ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I- We'll see. I mean, like, like I said, I, I think that,
0: uh, you know, this is the last best chance for publishers to to take control of of to have a destination at you know site. And that doesn't mean publishing is doomed in general. Like, content remains valuable, and there will always be a market for content. Like Facebook, w- like Facebook's willing to sell ads on your behalf, like the best ad company you know in in, in the world, arguably. You know, they're especially services like Netflix and Amazon prime, like the market for long tail video is going to be significant. Like it's not that bad to be a content publisher, but I think like I, there's a, there's a degree to, to of success that's possible here. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being sorry eyed, but I, I, I would like to see more media companies control their own destiny. And it feels like, again, because we're we're at the the birth of something, this is a unique chance to do so, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's wishful I, thinking, and yes, yeah, maybe people I, don't want to download like a bunch of apps. The reality is most people don't listen, like most people don't listen to podcasts first, and the people that do the vast majority listen to one or two. so this idea mm-hmm. of like the, I think a lot of power listeners who listen to, like twenty podcasts, this idea of having like twenty apps is like like makes them scream and pull their hair out. but uh, there's so many industries and so many technologies where what is best for the power users and what works at the beginning does not work at all in the mass market, and mm. I think there might be an aspect of that here too. Because again, the, the 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 jump between being aware of a podcast and to actually download an app and get it is so like there needs to be such a tighter link there. And anyhow, we've run long. We have. We've run very long. But I mean, it's, it's a podcast about podcasts. How can you not run long? Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> you
0: took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> All right, uh, so our apologies for going wrong. We, we've actually been under an hour, I think two or three weeks in a row. So we, we, we deserve
1: this one. We're taking that time back. Exactly, exactly. All right, so we should go. So I will talk
0: to you. Oh, next week, um, we uh, I, uh, we plan to podcast, but uh, we'll see. So if, if, if there's one that's a little late or something, please bear with us, but we're going to do our best. Yeah, sounds good.
1: Uh, I will talk to you later. See you, mate. Bye-bye.